Mindset, like I would say 90% of being a successful business owner is believing in yourself and just taking the leap and just doing it anyway, even if you're fearful. And so that's the biggest pattern and struggle that I see is people, okay, I've done this course. Now what? Like, now what? Like, I don't know if I can really go out there and, and do it and execute all that I've learned. So that's definitely been the biggest theme for sure. Welcome to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast, the show where we discuss what it takes to create a sustainable long-term online business in today's fast-moving environment. We talk with industry experts and freelancers alike to find out what it takes to build and manage a location-independent business. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. Today's guest is Christine Seibold, and Christine is joining us from freelanceandfreedom.com. Hello, Christine. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. I'm very good. I'm excited to talk to you. Uh, had a good look at your website. I love what you're doing. So for our listeners and all those people watching, can you tell us a little bit more about Freelance and Freedom and what it's about? Yes, absolutely. So I actually started my journey in Boston, Massachusetts, um, but I live in Miami, Florida now. And I worked at Harvard University for five years. And I know a lot of people, you know, Harvard's well known and people think like, oh, what an awesome place to work. And it was a great place to work. However, after five years, after kind of three years, I got really tired of the nine to five the corporate politics. And I just knew that I was meant to do more and that my skills could be used elsewhere. And so I decided in 2017, about a year out, that I was going to quit my job and either travel the world or you know, at least have a home base and work and travel there and start my own business. So um, I let Harvard know. And in, in September of 2018, I packed up the car, moved across the country to Miami. And that's when I opened Freelance and Freedom. So I'm just about to celebrate three years. And I started as a virtual assistant, actually, in my business, serving people in the health and wellness industry. And I thought that the most important thing to me at that time was just being able to travel, to have the flexibility to travel. And I did do a great deal of travel my first year. However, I was really just still unhappy with the clients I had and the work I was doing. So I became certified as a life business coach and built my own program to help people leave their own nine to five jobs and start their own virtual business. That's a real interesting path, you know, like that's, um, so, you know, you had the the typical, the normal job in a very prestigious, and I mean, everyone in the world knows of Harvard. So like, you no, know, like a good and something that looked really, really good. But like you're saying, it just, you weren't happy with it. You wanted to do something different. Um, Miami ended up being a great choice in the long run. I know this is before COVID, but uh, throughout COVID, uh, Miami has been like probably one of the better places in the world to be uh, in terms of, you know, your life is still open and the weather is great and everything is, is going. But you, you touched on something I would like to t- just kind of circle back on a little bit. So you said when you started, you became a VA to health and wellness businesses. So right out the gate, did you niche down like straight away, like, or did you kind of do a little bit of everything and realize that's a niche you're interested and passionate in? So you you zoned in on on being a a virtual assistant for that industry. Um, funny you ask that. I did not start out niche down. Everyone told me I kept hearing, you know, you need to niche down. You need to niche down. You're not going to lose clients by niching down. At the beginning, I was just getting work wherever I could. Um, there's a platform in the U.S. you might be familiar called Upwork. 
Okay. I know it's international as well. So I actually started part-time while I was at Harvard still getting, I had about three clients part-time on there doing some VA work to check it out, make sure I liked it. Um, One of them happened to be, you know, a a gym business owner from New York. Um, My now husband is a personal trainer. So I kind of just kind of fell into, you know, working with coaches, working with trainers, that type of area. But it took me a while to get there. It took me you know, I kept asking myself, what's my passion? I think it's important to work in areas that are important to you and that you enjoy. So it took a while to get there though. <laughs> yeah. or, or at least things that you find interesting, I think, you know, because like if you, I don't know, like, you know, you don't know anything about medical and, and you want to try and go start serving, you know, and, and helping people with technical medical stuff, like you're going to lose interest real far, fast or, or, you know, computer parts or building you know, like engineering stuff. And like, if you're not interested in it, like, I think if you're interested in it, like it'll help in a lot. You know what I mean? Like if you're into CrossFit and, and you you decide you want to start a business serving CrossFit businesses, like, you know, you're, you've really niched in and, and you're going to be into it. You're going to listen to the content. You're going to know all the people. You're going to, you know, you're going to know the pages. I think if you have an, at least some form of an interest in what you're doing, um, and that could even just be in, in, in business. Like you just want to learn about business and that's when you serve... Like there's a lot of VAs who serve like podcasts and online coaches and life coaches and and every virtual business you can think of. Like, but I mean, I have seen people just kind of niche in, and I was just curious, like, was that what you did from the start? So, so look, you you kind of painted a nice picture there. So while you were full time, you had made the decision that you wanted to do this. So at that time, you actually started, you know, outside of your hours at Harvard, actually, you know, building up your profile, let's say, on Upwork. So. You know, at what point were you ready to leave? I know we're, we're going to get to like client work is knows the most desirable work, um, maybe further down the line. But like, you know, at what point were you like, OK, did you have a full book of business or did you just have like, I'm just going to go all in on this. I know how to sell now. Like, how did that look? So it was a kind of a mixture of things. I gave myself the deadline of a year. So December 2017, I was like, bye. December of 2018, I'm going to be done here. September seemed like a good time. I had the three part-time clients. And so as I got closer to September, I started to build up more and network more. Um, I attended networking events, both in person and online, which I think is so key because it is really all about who you know. And someone always knows someone who needs help, especially a VA. And so... I just kind of did all of that at the same time as September neared. And I think I even like asked for a raise with the clients I already had. So I was able to make it work. I had interviewed for a position in Miami at the time with a woman who owned a business who needed help. So I don't know, it all fell into line and I just made it happen. (laughs) But there's key important things there. You've done work prior that was on, you know, You'd taken steps towards the path that you were looking to move towards. And you'd also given yourself a deadline, which I think is really important because often you'll find that the work fills the available time. So if you would have said, oh, someday, someday I'll do this, someday be 10 years from now and you didn't do it, you know, I, I think that's you know two really important things there was, you know, you took action before you even were fully there and you also gave yourself a deadline and, you know, obviously did the work too being a key, key important part of it. So when all that happened, so did you move off serving clients on Upwork? Did you try and go direct? Like, what did that look like? You know, because that's always an interesting part, I think, of this, because a lot of people 
Look, I've interviewed people who are 100% pro Fiverr, pro Upwork. They love it. It's great. People just find them, give them business. And then there's other situations where people are like, get off there as soon as you can, get the clients to pay you directly, you know, screw their 20% fee. You know, what's your take? <laughs> I guess I'm mixed about it, but I am, I am grateful for Upwork because it really helped me start my business. I also still get coaching clients on there now, people looking for life and business coaches. So... I still use it to this day and I kept the three clients I had on Upwork. And then when I got to Miami, I had that other project, which took up a lot of time working with that woman, which didn't work out very well, had to actually leave her. You know, something just always, I think it was the action of, like you said, inspired action and networking with the community. I didn't even know, but Miami has a ton of entrepreneurs. And so someone, a friend that I had met told me about another woman that was looking to help for a VA to help her grow her women's community down here, actually, which is kind of what led me to build the one that I did. And so that was a big learning experience. And that was kind of what took the place of what didn't work out with the other woman. So I think you just constantly have to be making those connections and genuine connections, not, you know, being fake, but just letting people know who you are and what you do. Women's community is something you're passionate about too, isn't it? Like, you know, empowering women and, and women in business. So these networks are often very strong and, and like, you know, because they have them in Ireland too, like there's women in business meetups and stuff like that. And I know one or two uh, business owners who attend and, you know, they're, they're very engaged and, and they can be very beneficial for networking and for getting clients and for referrals and it can really help your business. So it's interesting. So can you talk a little bit more to that? Like, you know, what do you think makes a good community when it comes to these, um, be it a women's community or any community, it doesn't have to be women's, but I have noticed that they seem to be really good <laughs> for people who, who show up and, and, participate. Yes, absolutely. So like you said, definitely the referrals and pe- and collaborations and people working together. I've seen beautiful projects come out of our community. Um, even one of the um, women is going to be translating my book from the community. So they're just beautiful things like that. But also, I think the most important thing is that we have similar values. And with the community in Spain, for example, they seem to be a little bit more competitive with each other when it comes to entrepreneurship, as opposed to what I've seen here in the US. And so I really try to kind of ingrain in them, like together we're better, working together, collaborating. There's enough room for everyone. It's not a competition because there were a couple of issues, you know, that came about and, you know, to show them that there's room for everyone. So I think that's the most important thing to align your values. That's an interesting one because, yeah, it's it's like if people are in a similar industry, I guess maybe if you're in a small local area and it's a small business, like two people who run a yoga studio or something and, and you know, they're direct competitors. You can paint it whatever way you like, <laughs> you know. But so maybe, you know, there might not be any love lost between them. But at the same time, like you're saying, like if it's in the online space, it's infinite. You know what I mean? Like the, the opportunity is infinite. The, you know, it doesn't matter that you sell a course about this and I sell a course about that. And it's the same. The world is your market. And, you know, we can only go further together. There's a saying, I love it. It's the uh, a rising tide lifts all ships. So I've always loved that because I believe in that too. You know, I have a few close friends who I've met along the years. Some are very successful, like, you know, online and make a lot of money. We still talk and we talk like we did before they did, made their fortunes online and bought their Bitcoins at the right time and all the rest of it. But 
you know, we sharing insights with each other and, and being honest with each other is helpful. So if you can create that community, then that's great. Can you talk a little bit more about Spain? So you went off, you left Miami for a little while and moved over to Spain, isn't that right? Sort of. So I had studied abroad in Spain in college. And then I went back, that was when I was 19 and 20. And then I went back and taught English for two years in 2011 to 2013. And I always wanted to move back. And so in January of 2020, obviously with a lot of planning behind that starting in 2019, but in January of 2020, I launched Femprende Doras, which was this women's community in Seville, Spain. So from Miami, I was traveling back and forth until the pandemic hit. When I came home in March, I almost got stuck there, which would have been a little bit crazy. But I came home at the beginning, right at the beginning of March before they went into lockdown and wasn't able to go back. And so it was, you know, like any business owner, okay, what do I do? Pivot. It had started to grow very quickly. And everything, of course, that went in person went to online. And we kind of just pivoted and made adjustments from there. And Honestly, it was such a difficult situation, but also a beautiful one because I felt truly supported while I was home in lockdown and, you know, everyone was and all of these women from all around Spain that were um, just able to come together and help each other out with their social media or whatever and work on different projects and workshops. So it turned into a positive. So what was like the goal of the community? Was it to bring like-minded people together to teach them about launching online businesses? Is that what, or to take their maybe physical business into an online world? Can you just talk a little bit about like what you actually did when you were there? Sure. So the focus was more on coming together. So there were women from all different levels of business. So some were just starting, some had an idea, some were just starting and some were already, you know, established for so many years. And so there's workshops every month. And then there was a couple of networking slash social events every month. So there was always a learning aspect. They were big learners. They always wanted to keep growing. And so that was a part of it, but then also just the connection part of it. Learning, networking, lunch and learns, you know, that sort of stuff. Like we, we do them all the time. I was setting one up earlier on for next week, live video shopping, uh, which Shopify, yeah, it's um, where you're like able to have influencers like stand there with their phones and uh, basically they'll be wearing something be like, oh, do you like my new Gymshark top? And and you can, in the video that they're doing, you can just click it and buy it like, oh, it's nuts. It's, it's so cool. <laughs> but it's going to be the thing, I think, moving forward. It's all, it kind of, China's commerce uh, is very well developed and a lot of these apps are starting to become normalized uh, over here or they're starting to launch over here and Anyway, it's really cool. So look, I'd like to talk a little bit about eight steps to starting your virtual business. So, you know, your business, your core business model is is around business mentorship and coaching and you help people build or get started with a virtual business. So let's talk about that a little bit. What are these eight steps? And Sure. Yes. Yeah, so the program is eight weeks with a ninth week check-in a month later. And also besides the eight steps that we're going to talk about, the other part of it is helping people be accountable. So that was also another part of the community is having an accountability partner. And so if you know, we're going to both show up and meet and set our goals for the week on Monday at this time, you're more likely to get your goals done, right? So that also comes with the program. So the first week we do a session and then you go back and design your business model. And I always say, you know, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Because to me, having a plan for everything, and sometimes the plan changes and that's 
okay. But to have at least an outline to get, you know, idea of where you're going um, is the first step. The second step is to identify your ideal client. And I think that's the next important thing. You know, there's an order for a reason. So, you know, you have to know who you're going to be selling to, who you're going to be working with so that you can then go ahead and write copy and social media and your website and be able to speak to them and really relate to them. The third one is identifying your niche. And like I said, I was one of those guilty that did not start out right away with a niche, but I have found and seen the importance of it. And so I encourage people, we do a session on it and I encourage them to pick a niche and to just try it. And again, you can always change it. Nothing is set in stone. So you could always pivot. And, you know, if you don't go too, too niche, you know, like wellness is broad, you know, whereas like yoga is very specific, you know, and there's benefits in serving both. But, you know, if, if you go, if you zoom right in and it doesn't work, you can just zoom out a little, you know, like take it out. That's a really good point um, about nation down, because I've seen that as well. Like it seems to work really well for virtual assistants. Yes. Yep. Because then you get really good at doing one thing and then you're like the master of it. So you're like, I can help anyone with their podcast, like you said earlier, or So let's see, the next week we talk about building your brand and that's not, you know, a lot of people think the brand is just kind of logos and colors and, but it also includes your mission statement and your company values and, you know, knowing what social media platforms that you can find your ideal client on and how you'll reach them. Is LinkedIn a big part of it by any chance? Um, well, it depends on really on what kind of business it is. Cause sometimes LinkedIn isn't good for certain businesses, you know, I mean, you can always find people on LinkedIn, but you know, it just depends on, on what the person is or who the person is focusing on. Who do you target on? Okay. So this all comes from the pre-work. So that's, that's good. Exactly. Each week we have a session and then they go home and do the homework and then we review it the following week. Week five is registering your business. So um, I actually, I don't think I've done this yet internationally with people, but at least in the US, it's different in every state. And so I actually go through and do the homework ahead of time for that person wherever they live and help them figure out what's the best way to register. And I, of course, I always say consult with a lawyer if you aren't sure, but um, it's pretty simplified here. And I've done my own businesses as well. So week six is building your business systems and processes, which I think is super important, especially when you're starting out. If you can be as organized as you can, it'll help you get a foot forward and help you be more successful. And that also includes, you know, knowing how to organize your finances, you know, knowing what platforms to use, what is going to help automate, things like that. And then week seven is creating a marketing plan. And so we, again, focus on the ideal client, but also confirm which social media platforms they'll use, what kind of email marketing platform they'll use, um, set up an actual posting schedule, kind of niche down on ideas, and just really get that ready for them to start promoting their business. And then the last week is talking about your future and growth. So we kind of revisit the business plan Um, go back and set long-term and short-term business goals and making sure that it's tied in with their mission statement and that they're basically ready to go. And a lot of times it's happened that people actually get their first client while we're working together, which is awesome. So then we get to kind of go through all the steps together. So yeah, that is my eight-week process. (laughs) Like it's very well laid out. And that's my first time to hear it. So it sounds very well laid out and like a very good blueprint. I think at at the very start, you made probably one of the most key points, which is having an accountability partner 
because you can get a plan and people just don't do the work. But when you have to show up and you have to say what you've done and you, you know, I mean, as well, when you've invested money in something, you want to show up like and you show up on enthusiasm. It's like, look, I'm trying to change my life here. I'm trying to like build a virtual business. I'm interested. I want to do this. I've invested in myself. So, you know, I've, I've put money down and you have an accountability partner. All those things should help the stars align. And, you know, if you take through the work, you know what I mean? Like, because sometimes I think the big challenge for people is exactly, is in those first two, it's kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to offer. Like, how I don't know, like, what can I offer and who the hell would buy it? And that's where having a bit of work, you know, so just to kind of hone in on those, like for, for people listening who are maybe at that stage, like, you know, what sort of stuff would you kind of walk people through? Like, to, you know, if, if you were new to it, like if you were new to online business, you were working in a job you didn't particularly like, like, is it, you start to map out for transferable skills. Is it, what sort of stuff would you do really? You know, like, I'm just curious to dig, not going all the way in obviously, but like to go in a layer or two more, uh, deeper on those. Yeah, absolutely. So most people that come to me already know what they want to do, but if they don't, I actually have something that's called a needs test. That's a coaching and it's, you know, one of those just yes or no, but it's like a hundred questions and I go through and I calculate it. And so it shows me what drives them and their strengths and weaknesses. And so that really helps me kind of suggest possible jobs that they could do if they're not sure. So that's kind of where we start. And then with the business plan, It's breaking it down into the different sections, you know, so kind of like what, how the eight weeks are broken down. So finance, mindset, social media, marketing, and um, we break down a plan. I have a whole map and certain questions that they answer that way. For all the people that have gone through it, like what do you see are some of the most common challenges that people face? Like, is it actually like logistics challenges, like as in, I don't know how to do this or the tech or something, or is it more like mindset? Like they get a bit of a knockback and they feel discouraged and, and they're like, ah, oh, screw this. Like, you know what, you know, like, or is there, or is there even like patterns that you, you just see over and over again, like with how people approach this? Like, Absolutely. It's definitely mindset. You know, I'm a big believer in affirmations. Um, I've, they have changed my life completely. And so I sprinkle a little bit of that throughout each week. Sometimes we have some extra time at the end of the sessions. So uh, mindset, like I would say 90% of being a successful business owner is believing in yourself and just taking the leap and just doing it anyway, even if you're fearful. And so that's the biggest pattern and struggle that I see is people, okay, I've done this course. Now what, like, now what, like, I don't know if I can really go out there and and do it and execute all that I've learned. So that's definitely been the biggest theme for sure. Breaking mindset up. So you have like the fear of rejection, which is a, a big one that people have. And obviously when you're pitching, you know, you're pitching for work. So you're going to, you're going to get no's. It's a numbers game. You know, I always think of freelancing, like with freelancing, like if you are not doing client work and you have set a certain amount of hours per week, you should be like prospecting or, or pitching for those other hours. You know, like there has to be a has to be some sort of a balance. But like that's one side of it is is like the fear of rejection, which is negative emotion, you know, creates all that. And another part of it is actually like money mindset. Like who am I to charge that person that much? I don't I, I wouldn't pay me that much or something. So would these be two of the most common kind of mindset challenges that you see people come up against? Absolutely. And 
a little bit just with the second one you said is also just believing that they actually can do what what they're trying to do. Even though they have the skills, it's like that fear of, you know, leaving behind the security and can I really do this? So yeah, absolutely. Like I'm going to say like, where, where would people typically go to get clients? But like, you know, I guess it's relative to who they are and what they're looking for. Sorry, I was kind of answering the question in my own head. <laughs> when I look up to the sky, that's me searching in my own head. You know? um, pretty much everybody to start an email list from day one, because that was something that I, you know, create a freebie and start an email list. And obviously there's the networking aspect, telling everyone that you know, family, friends, you know, and going to events, even though COVID is still active, there's tons of virtual events and um, conferences. So doing that and just like you said, pitching people, whether it's on Instagram or LinkedIn and not in a salesy way, but just creating those valid relationships, those real relationships so that the next time someone needs a VA or whatever the, the business is, you know, they'll think of you and someone will refer you. So can we elaborate? Because we, we've talked a lot about virtual assistants. So I would like to expand that. So tell me a little bit more about some of the other types of virtual businesses that you see people start. Okay. Um, well, I actually worked with an attorney before. He obviously already had passed the bar and everything, but he was revamping his business. Various kinds of coaches, you know, online coaches. The, my biggest clients are coaches and VAs. But a lot of people in the social media and marketing, you know, background. So anything that you can do virtually, those are the main areas that I've worked with. Cool. No, I'm just trying to get a little bit of a flavor. So coaches, and when you're saying coaches, I mean, are we talking lifestyle coach, personal training, like all, you know, all sorts of people who can coach you online? Or is it a specific type of, of client that you see that tends to gravitate towards they're mostly coaches that want to either do consulting. Um, I've worked with a health coach, a wellness coach, you know, people that want to create a signature program that they can sell kind of like the eight week one. Okay. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So their own uh, online course. Oh, that's really cool. That's awesome. I just, well, I was curious. I kind of wanted to flesh that out a little bit more and see, you know, what sort of people tend to gravitate your way. So you have a book coming out very soon, I believe, September 14th in the United States. Let's talk about that a little bit. What's happening with that? Sure. So um, it's called Blondie Without Borders. And one part of actually week eight that I didn't really talk about is setting up rituals and kind of boundaries for yourself in your business. So when I left Harvard and I started my own business, I was working 24-7. I didn't make time for myself. I didn't take make time for my health. I didn't have a set calendar. And these were all things that now have been very important to me as three years later. And I didn't know the importance of boundaries. So that's part of it. But I also have a bit of a, a past life and a, a crazy lifestyle. So the book touches, um, it's actually myself going through Seville, Spain, my favorite country in the world with my husband. And as we are walking through the streets of Sevilla, we run into people or see things that spark a memory. And then I tell a story. So it goes through 
through battles with um, addiction, with food issues, toxic relationships, past marriages. It's got a whole lot of stories in there. Yeah, yeah. because we, we were chatting beforehand and you, you've got some good travel stories, you know. So uh... Travel as well, because you do need to set boundaries when you travel, for sure. And then in business. So, so it's not just business. So it's, it's, it's the mix. And that makes for an interesting, you know, I think that makes for an interesting book because it's not just, you know, do this, do that, business, business. It's, it's like you know, there's stories in there and there's, there's personal experiences and it just makes for more enjoyable read, really. But then from a business side, what, where does it get to from a business side? So many stories. I'm trying to think of the business. Oh, no, I, I don't mean a story. I, I kind of just mean like, so the book, if I was to take, what would I learn from it from a business perspective? Like, is it about, you know, being a digital nomad and, and creating an online business and giving you that freedom so that you can do it? Is is that kind of what it touches on? Or is it more travel stories? <laughs> no, there's really only two travel stories, I think. It's more relationship stories and kind of self-development. But um, with business, it's the importance of setting boundaries in your business and also leaving and letting go of things that no longer serve you. So like letting go of my job at Harvard because I wasn't happy, you know, choosing myself and choosing happiness first, even if it's a little bit scary. So setting the boundaries so that I can have a successful business, like a routine in the morning and have a Google calendar to keep me organized in those things. And just being able to say no. The biggest business was actually the story of the woman that I shared earlier when I moved to Miami and it didn't work out. It was like this whole big story. So (laughs) I share that story. That's the business story. If you want the details, you have to buy the book. Blondie Without Borders. It'll be on Amazon, will it? In It will, yes. September 15th. <laughs> September 15th, yeah. So I'll work to get this live before then so that it's a better pre-order. I mean, that's kind of it, really. You know, like for me, uh, you know, I, I feel like I've got a good, you know, we had a good chat. We talked about the eight steps to starting a virtual business. I got to hear all about your your history and the upcoming book, which, uh, you know, sounds like it has a lot of interesting stories. And I mean, it's funny you said it about the job, right? Because like my situation years ago was I worked in Australia and I lived there for three years and I was sponsored and I was working in civil construction and um, I hated the job. Like you can't imagine, similar to what you're saying in that very long hours, you had no control. I had no control over where I lived. Like I could go in in the morning and be told you're going to the other side of Australia willy nilly for how long until we tell you. And look, for some people, that was the dream back. You know, we were early 20s, Irish, oh, go and work construction somewhere, you know, like it, it was painted as the thing to do, you know, and to get your passport for Australia. That was the goal, you know, get the Australian passport, get the citizenship so you could always go to Australia. And I just left. I went to Queenstown in New Zealand and like I was sitting in a hostel and everyone was having a laugh and I was just like, what am I doing? Like I'm 24. Like why am I working this really stressful, horrible job where we we were underground for most of the day, like actually under the ground. And uh, it sucked. And (laughs) I was really into like trying to learn about online stuff. So I'd be there on my lunch, like learning about how to make eBooks and how to build websites. And I'd be building like Amazon affiliate websites like on the weekends and in the evenings and then everybody thought I was mad because you can imagine like Australia is very far away from Ireland when I told everybody at home they were like you'd got the thing you went there for like you left Ireland to try and get sponsored in Australia to get a good salary and I got all those things and then I got there and I was like ah this isn't what I want (laughs) I I actually hate this so I left and became a 
well, I joined an agency and became a jack of all trades for a couple of months. But that was when I started freelance writing and got into SEO and got into online marketing and moved to Thailand. And, you know, like everything kind of splintered on from that one decision. But Well, sometimes people change, first of all. And other times we we try things and we think it's going to be the greatest thing in the world. And then once we're there or we do it, it's like, oh, it really isn't, you know? Or other things are more important to us. So I just think it's important to listen to your gut and to, and your intuition. And like you, le- you left eventually, so and started something else. Yeah, I mean, I always knew it wasn't wasn't for me. I thought going teaching English in Asia was going to be for me, and I tried to do my TEFL, and I was like, nah, <laughs> nah. Like did the TEFL, and then was like, I am not teaching English. No, no thanks. I'll be it. $10 an hour freelance writer before I be an English teacher. And that was what I did for a while. <laughs> so, but all these things then led, you know, once again, about following the thing you're interested in. I just became genuinely interested in, I would just say online business. There's not one particular thing that drew me. It was all of it. Like I was interested in all of it. So I learned a little bit about all of it, tried a bunch of things, messed up, but got straight into freelancing. Like freelancing was the first thing I did, built up clients pitching people. A lot of the stuff you're talking about, who is it that I want to serve? I want to serve bloggers. Who are my ideal clients? Bloggers who are making loads of money already, like successful bloggers. And then I'd pitch them that I'll blog for them or I'll write, you know, write for them. And um, SEO agencies then, I learned, became a really good resource for a writer because they're always needing content written. So like, you, you know, like I, I knew who to serve and then I knew who to pitch and I knew to go on LinkedIn and hit up the agencies and I knew to email bloggers and, and that allowed for a while to sustain myself as a freelancer, you know, um, I guess inadvertently did the work and tried to do it in hostels where, where there's so much partying going on. It was quite difficult, but, you know, it all led to, you know, the here and now where we're having this conversation. So um, I don't regret any of it, you know, and but like you're saying, one of the key things is, you know, if you know in your gut you're doing something and it's not for you, then not just chuck it all out the window, but like, you know, make start thinking about what it is that you do want and you know, write that out, make, make a bit of a vision for it and then start taking action steps towards it. Um, join groups, communities, Facebook groups, I think are really beneficial. And um, there's so many good Facebook groups um, and forgetting business too. Like you see it all the time. People asking, oh, there's somebody or somebody who can help me with X or Y. And I see it all the time in the groups I'm in. Can't get good writers, can't get good web designers, want help with Kajabi is a big one. You know, so it's like, I see it all the time. It works there. People just got to come in and want it. <laughs> you don't be hungry for it. <laughs> you don't serve the market what they're asking for. So lovely. Christine, what's the best way for people to connect with you online? Um, it's freelance N with the letter N, freedom. That's on my Instagram, freelanceandfreedom.com. And the book uh, also has an Instagram page slash my travel page is Blondie Without Borders. <laughs> Lovely. I'll make sure to link everything up in Spotify and on the website and uh, YouTube and everywhere else. So thank you for joining me and thanks to everyone who's tuned in. Thank you for listening to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. Head over to the website to access the resources and links mentioned in today's episode at digitalnomadcafe.com.